630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Jula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Darnell Nurse! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard. Then threw him aside to the net. Back for one-timer score! Connor McDavid ends the game! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Flyers back with it. Long lead pass. Lot looking for Raffle going to the goal. The Penguins have bodies there to break it up. Now back on the attack. Malkin, he's coming left wing with Kessel on the right. Spins it to him and he shoots the puck and he scores. Phil Kessel gives the Penguins a 2-0 lead. Malkin. Great pass, Kessel, great shot. The Pens have a two-goal lead. I've seen that fish before. The great Mike Lang from the Penguins broadcast booth. Pittsburgh looking good, up 2-0 on the Flyers early in the second period. Pittsburgh leads the series 2-1. Tampa Bay just had a goal taken off the board. A successful offside challenge by the New Jersey Devils. It's 1-1, Lightning and Devils. Six and a half minutes left in the second period. Tampa Bay up 2-1 in the best of seven. Predators and Avalanche later. Preds are up 2-1 in the series. And at 8.30, the Sharks on home ice will try to finish off a sweep of the Anaheim Ducks. The Blue Jays keep rolling 15-5 over Kansas City this afternoon. Curtis Granderson with a grand slam. Former Blue Jay Jose Bautista has signed a minor league deal with Atlanta. A couple other NHL notes. Josh Morrissey, Winnipeg Jets defenseman, one game suspension for that cross check on Eric Stahl of the Minnesota Wild. Selkie nominees for best defensive forward. Patrice Bergeron from Boston Sean Couturier from Philadelphia. He's not playing tonight, but for the Flyers after getting hurt in practice. And Anze Kopitar from the Los Angeles Kings. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, we'll be talking a little bit about that big hockey helps the homeless game. Uh, that event coming up next month. Craig McTavish will be one of our guests in studio. My name is Reed Wilkins. We'll kick it off tonight with our weekly guest, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers. It's the one and only Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Fantastic, Reed. Looking forward to another great night of hockey. Yeah, you're right in there watching every game as it goes. Uh, a lot of captivating series. Obviously, one ended already. The Toronto-Boston series is one a lot of people are watching. And Kelly, you're, you're going to have to help me out here. I'm a little bit confused because everybody talks about what a fierce rivalry that is between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. <laughs> but Brad Marchand is out there kissing guys. I mean, it's all it's just you know it's, it's loving. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? Like, something's got to change. I mean, I'm a big fan of Marchand, not only for the way that he, he plays the game, but his skill level and all that, but that has to stop. I mean, uh, somebody on the lease has to remind the officials to, and constantly, to keep your eye on him. I mean, I think that's disrespectful what he's doing. I think it's uh, it could easily be an unsportsmanlike penalty. It, it's just not needed in the game. Komarov, uh, in my opinion, um, you know, at first blush, you go, well, just punch the guy. But then, of course, he's going to be the one taking the penalty. So I understand where you have to have some sort of uh, restraint and uh, not do something. But I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of Marchand, but that's crossing the line, and the league should do something. Is that one of the weirdest things you've ever seen in terms of trying to agitate? Yes, I don't think I ever... 
uh, have witnessed anything quite similar. There have been other things that, uh, you know, are bothersome or bug you a little bit, but uh, I have never seen that. And especially, like, he did it earlier in the season also. It's not like that's the first time he lost his mind for a minute and it won't be, uh, we won't see it again. I mean, this is something, it's maybe developing into a bit of a pattern, which I don't like. Although Komarov's out again tomorrow, I understand. So maybe that's a good thing because he hasn't chosen to do it to anybody else. Right. Okay. Well, well, you make a good point. I, I mean, if if a Leaf goes and, and does something about it, you risk a penalty or, you know, that changes right. the game or a suspension. So you yeah. kind of hope at yeah. some point a ref or somebody says, look, yeah. enough. Right. But anyway. Yeah. 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 Tough, uh, tough year for for Steve Barton, the linesman. Uh, hurt his knee and his kneecap the other night yep. in the Columbus Washington game. He was also the linesman that collided with McDavid, also in a game involving the Blue Jackets, and hit his head on the ice. Uh, I had Mike Civic on the show a couple of nights ago, former NHL linesman, and he told some stories about getting fingers cut open and hurting his ankle in his in his very last game. Um, you know, as a goaltender. Um, you're you're interacting with the linesman every time that <laughs> you cover the puck because they come in and get it. Yeah. I, I don't know if that leads to any conversations or anything, but uh, oh, uh, oh, totally. Yep, and in fact, real good uh, relationships, friendships in a lot of cases with these guys. And uh, Mike Civic, by the way, was always one of my all-time favorites. And I did that last game in Calgary where he talked about his ankle injury. If not. If I'm not mistaken, he fell with about five or seven minutes to go in the third period, and uh, he, he found a way to get through the game, but uh, he, I think he broke his ankle. It was that severe, and I don't know if he shared that story with you uh, this week. Yep. But uh, and, and you know what? Also, because he had such a great career and he's such a, a wonderful guy, we named him as one of the three stars that night. So uh, I think that might have been a bit of a surprise to him. After or During the second intermission, I tried to get word down to the officials' room that make sure Mike is aware that at the end of the game, there's going to be a, a little something special for him. And I didn't want him to just race off the ice and go into the officials' room and then hold up the uh, what he wouldn't know at the time, but we we're going to give him one of the three stars. So it was a real touching moment. And, uh, well, you get, you know, you have all these relationships and you learn something every once in a while. Kevin Collins was a guy that uh, we had often on Long Island, and I really liked Kevin. And I was being a bit of a jerk one night, and uh, I was getting lit up, and uh, I was making it more difficult than I should have uh, for him to get the puck out of the net. And maybe I was standing in his way, or I was just being a total jerk. And and uh, he said, Kelly, what are you doing? Like, I just got to get the puck out of the net. And and it occurred to me, like, yeah, you are a jerk. And and then another another time, I can't remember, it might have been uh, uh, Ron Hasselstein um, or Ron Finn. And uh, I was really mad at him because they, they blew a call, no question about it. And he just came down to me nice and casually next to Whistle and said, Kelly, have you ever let in a bad goal? I go, yep. He goes, okay, I missed a call relax right we all we all make mistakes and then so you get these sort of relationships going and then you see them in a different way and and uh, you look at them and go yeah i mean they're doing their best and human error is a part of it i'm not that good every night and sometimes they miss calls so you have to expect that and you know it was kind of fun do you remember a guy by the name of swede knox oh absolutely yeah great name yeah yeah and he lived in edmonton yeah and uh, so in the 90s uh, when i was training i was living a little bit in summer in edmonton 
I'd come visit my mom and dad, and I used to work out at a place called the Riverbend Club. I don't know if that's still even there. It was a great workout facility, and uh, Swede was there all the time. So we'd play squash together uh, every once in a while and stuff. So you get all these great relationships and friendships, and they're special to you. So when it comes to – because a lot of times when – people talk about officiating they're usually actually just talking about the referees so that was a missed penalty yeah uh, that should have been called shouldn't have been called uh, goalie interference judgment all that type of stuff the linesman and i mean i now think with the video review for the offside challenge if anything it's proved proven how good they are calling these that sometimes yeah, you can't right. even see on video so but when you were in the game it, it, was it was it the offsides and the icings that made a good linesman or was it some of the communication stuff you talked about uh, it was a combination of everything and keeping the temperature down. So when things were starting to get uh, heated up, and keep in mind, this was in a time where there was a lot more uh, rough stuff and so on, but they were really good at communicating on the ice and, and trying to get guys to sort of relax a little bit and calm them down, put them in a better state of mind. They were really good at it. And they also knew there were times where they couldn't do anything and just stay out of the way and let the guys go, and then, uh, then things will sort of settle out that way. But... Oh, yeah, man. I, I mean, it, I made a rule every single game before. Uh, the last thing I did before I left the dressing room walking on the ice was I'd look at the game sheet, see who the official was and who the two linesmen were, because I always wanted to be on a first-name basis. And and every once in a while, not often, but there would be a rookie, and so you'd go up, you'd have to go up to the uh, lines or the uh, the referee, the first whistle in your own zone, and find out a little bit of information about the guy, and then when he comes around, have a nice little chat about a hey, I've heard you're pretty good, and all this kind of stuff, just to get on real nice. Uh, terms with them because you never know how that might uh, affect the outcome at one point. Yeah, I love all those uh, little little conversations that happen on the ice that we don't get to hear. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Hey, uh, well, and the other, hang on, hang on, though. Reed. One other thing, though, they're not all of them are easy to spot. Sometimes, if I'm just in my crease, I don't want it to look unprofessional or something. I just keep my head down before the puck is dropping, and we'd still be having a conversation. Just just so that it doesn't look as though you're too friendly or anything because there are certain situations where it just can't look bad for the league. You've got to make sure that there's a professionalism there as well. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. The uh, Calgary Flames fired their coaching staff, head coach Glenn Gullitson gone. Questions here in Edmonton about what might happen. Uh, I know certainly uh, the assistants are under fire after some of the performances this season. You know, Kelly, um, and it's one of those things, it's easier to, to change a coach or two than, than 20 players sometimes. That's the old saying. But, you know, you had coaches. You, you still talk to players and to coaches in the league. I mean, what should a player expect from his coach I mean I know when the Oilers kept giving up early goals uh, Rob and I had a lot of callers saying well the coaches have to have them ready to play and Rob always says well the players know when the game starts they should be ready ready to play so that wouldn't have been on his list but but what should a player expect to get from his coaching staff well I agree with Rob once again Uh, I've always felt that uh, one of the things I've been I was most proud of uh, sitting in the dressing room one one game might have been my third fourth year in the league and I was thinking to myself and I thought you know I I really um, feel proud of the fact that no coach has to come in and rip me or anything or motivate me I'm self-motivated and and you look at a lot of guys that last a long time 
that's what they are. They shouldn't need a guy, a coach to come in or a babysitter to come in and, and scold them or, or, you know, get after them and all that kind of stuff. You should be professional enough that once you know it's a 7.05 start time, you're ready to go. And so I, I understand how uh, uh, people think that, and I also there are many cases where that's true. I, I think to a certain degree that that happened in Calgary, that the guys didn't push themselves hard enough, and now three good people lost their jobs. So, um, But I think that for the most part, you really hope that when you're a manager, you put together a group of guys that they're professional and mature enough to, to play as hard as they can pretty much every night. Now, some nights you're just not going to have it. Everybody knows that. There's 82 games. It's an, a brutal season at times. But I think for the most part, you have to make sure that the group that you put together, you don't need a coach coming in there and screaming and yelling every single day to get them ready. Should it, is, is it realistic for a coach to treat all players the same? Or is, is that a fairy tale? No. That's a fairy tale. And, and in fact, I think that's bad coaching. Uh, Al Arbor always taught me uh, a number of great lessons, and one of them was he treated everybody differently. We all had the same rules, like we all had to be uh, on time. We all had these other different rules that they were in place for everybody, and there was no changing that. But how he treated Dennis Potvin and how he treated me and how he treated uh, Mike Bossy and how he treated Pat LaFontaine was completely different. He was really tough on Dennis Potvin. He, he felt that uh, Potvin needed... Uh, uh, to be pushed to get the best out of them and look what turned out uh, uh, ho- Hockey Hall of Famer and in my opinion maybe the second best defenseman to ever play behind Bob Yor so that's how impactful Al was Pat LaFontaine uh, kind of needed to be coddled more and that's okay, another Hockey Hall of Famer so you just look at the different examples of how Al treated people and uh, that's how I think you get the best out of people because we're all different, we all go through certain things and even more so in today's world, Reed, when we think about uh, mental health issues and Canadian Mental Health Association will say one in five Canadians suffers. Well, that tells you on a hockey team there's probably around four or five, six guys that have something going on. They may, Some of them may not even suspect what's going on. So you have to understand people are different and uh, so you should treat them accordingly. Yeah, well said. Kelly, this was great to talk to you, buddy. Look forward to the games tonight, and we'll do this again next week. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Have a good night, bud. Good stuff tonight from Kelly Rudy, our weekly guest here on Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers. During that interview, the Lightning get the goal back. They had one waved off because of an offside challenge. Now they've scored to go up 2-1 on New Jersey. Bit of a nasty game. Kucherov might have got away with a bit of a late hit. I uh, was looking at the replay, not sure if it was a headshot, but it was up high. Now, a big scrum here along the boards between uh, the Devils and the Lightning. We'll keep you updated on that one. Inside Sports on Chad. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Pittsburgh in control. Game four in Philadelphia. It is 3-0 for the Penguins halfway through the second period. Malkin, Kessel, and Latang, the goal scorers. Lightning and Devils, they're still sorting out this 
kerfuffle late in the second period. I think they got it straightened out now. They're dropping the puck in the neutral zone. 42 seconds left in the second period. 2-1 for the Lightning, and out of the scrum there, they also get a power play out of this one as the Lightning lead that series two games to one. We've uh, been keeping an eye on the Alberta Junior Hockey League final. It will resume Friday in Okotoks. The Okotoks Oilers stayed alive last night with a 4-1 win in Spruce Grove. The Saints were going for the sweep. Instead, they settle for a 3-1 series lead and uh, another road game against Okotoks. We'll keep an eye on that one for you on Friday. Uh, Good story for the Saints. Obviously, they uh, lost a couple former Saints in the Humboldt bus crash, and they got a really quick start in that series. Came from behind to win the first two games on the road. Solid victory in Game 3, but couldn't quite finish it off last night. All right, Todd Nelson. You remember him. He was once with the Oilers organization, coached the farm team for several years, uh, was uh, brought up to the Oilers as interim head coach for the last half of the season a few years ago. He's been doing pretty well in the AHL with the Grand Rapids Griffins. Won the Calder Cup last year. I know they started this year real slow, but looking good going into the playoffs. Todd's going to join us in the next half hour of the show. And we'll have some fun between 7 and 8 tonight. Uh, Some special guests in studio will include... Oilers Vice President of Hockey Operations, Craig McTavish, Robin Brownlee, Edmonton Media Personality, of course used to write about the Oilers for the Journal and the Sun, and uh, we'll have Murray Soroka from the Jasper Wellness Centre. We'll talk hockey, we'll talk about the Hockey Helps Homeless game that's coming up in Edmonton in May. You can text 630-630 if you need to reach out. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. We're coming back after the news. Inside Sports on Ched. Hope you're having a great night. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Now 4-0 for the Penguins, leading the Flyers. Six minutes left in the second period. Crosby gets his fifth. Elliott's been pulled. Lightning over the Devils, 2-1 after one. Predators and Avalanche later. Ducks and Sharks later. Blue Jays won 15-5 over Kansas City this afternoon. Curtis Granderson had a grand slam. Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey suspended for the check to the head for the cross-check on Eric Stahl in the uh, Minnesota-Winnipeg series. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text us at 630-630. James texting in. He says, hey, Reed, channeling my inner Gene Principe. Great season for the Vegas Golden Knights so far, but sweeping the LA Kings in their first playoff round is a crowning achievement. What do you think of that one, Kellen? Well done. Not bad. Very punny. Very punny. Not bad. Well, we should we should have uh we should have Gene on standby for whenever a texter sends in a pun and he could give it a rating. Like a pun idol type thing? Maybe a certain amount of uh like I don't know, of Italian sandwiches from the Italian Center out of 10, five strombolis out of 6. Something like that. Yes. James, we appreciate it. What if James was sitting there all day thinking I got to who am I going to tell this pun to? I know. Read. James, I appreciate it. That's a pretty good effort. Uh, Gene Principe is the the uh, master of the puns. I, I, you can't even try to match Gene Principe with the puns. And in four, I, this is the one thing, though. I miss a lot of them. 
because sometimes we're right before a game. Uh, I'm not necessarily watching the TV. I'm finishing up our broad, our pregame show or or just settling in to watch a game at Rogers Center. So I, I miss a lot of Gene's brilliance, but I do get to hang out with him in practice in person. He's punny. He's well dressed. He's from Edmonton, and he likes the Italian Center. What else do you need from a man? Gene's getting a lot of love from us today because I think Andrew and Morley were talking about him on the afternoon news uh, during the 5 o'clock hour. Well, could Same. we make April 18th Gene Prince? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630, whether it's a pun or just anything else you, you feel like telling me or Kellen or whoever you, you would like to talk to. Uh, the uh, NHL playoffs in full swing. The American Hockey League playoffs getting set to start on the weekend. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the show a guy who used to work in the Oilers organization. He was Oilers interim head coach for half a season, now doing very well in the AHL with the Grand Rapids Griffins. It is Todd Nelson. Todd, thanks for coming on tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's it's awesome to catch up with you. I know it's a busy week for you getting ready for uh, for the playoffs here, but but how is life in, in Grand Rapids in general? Are you, are you guys surviving the, the cold that's hitting most of the continent, or are you guys getting it too? You know what? It was kind of funny. About two weeks ago, we were on our way to Tucson for a couple of games and Texas for a couple of games. And I, I woke up to go to the plane, and uh, my car was covered with uh, snow. And we get down to Tucson, it's 90 degrees. Texas was nice. And then uh, I'm thinking, well, once we're gone, um, the bad weather's going to go by, and we'll have nice weather. But that's not the case. It's been cold here the last week. He's still getting today. Eh? Well, we're, I think we're slowly coming out of it here, which is nice because it snowed earlier in the week. So I want to get my golf clubs out, but uh, no dice yet. You guys aren't thinking about golf and Todd. Let me ask you this first of all. You, you won the Calder Cup. You won the AHL Championship last season. Now, I know there's always a lot of roster turnover in, in the minors, but I assume you had some guys back. How did you deal with that? You know, we won last year that whole defending champion tag whether you believe in that or not how, how did you deal with that uh, coming in into the season in the early part of the year well it's kind of funny you asked that N- not very well because we had the caller cup hangover and uh, there was a lot of things that went on at the start of the year it was uh the caller cup hangover but also uh you know we had some injuries and that and of course you have a target on your back because you're the defending champs but uh we didn't really start playing until after christmas we were one of the worst teams in the league um, at Thanksgiving and uh, it was one of those situations where I think guys came back from the Christmas break um, we got guys healthy and then we started to uh, really come on I think we're one of the hottest teams in hockey in pro, in, in pro hockey since Christmas and uh, it's just one of those things that happens I can't explain it um, I was in that position before where it was Tough sliding when I was in OKC, where I think we're eight games under 500 in uh, the end of January. We ended up making the playoffs, but I'm just happy that the boys uh, played well. I'm very proud of them. We got uh, back into the playoffs, and now we've faced the Manitoba Moose. I'm curious, Todd, because you and I have talked about 
coaching philosophies and approach both on and off air several times over the years. And you've always stressed to me, you know, you got to build team unity. You got to have players who are willing to, to battle for each other. And you're a very positive guy, I think, by nature. When the team struggled this year, did you go back to the, to the bag of tricks, I guess, of positivity? Or was there times you had to clamp down a little bit more and, and maybe wake the guys up a bit? Both. Both. Like, uh, there were certain times where after a game when, when our team didn't perform well, uh, and, um, you know, sometimes when you're playing a hockey game, things don't go your way and you're working hard and it doesn't work out. But I can't stand when guys don't put forth the effort. If they're getting paid to do a job, and you have to do it and put the work in. And when, so when the work ethic's not there, that's when um, I get really upset. And there's a few times with that um, in the first part of the season where it happened. And there's other times where you're playing well enough and uh, all of a sudden like, you don't get the save that you need or whatever it is, just just doesn't go your way. But, but anyways, it seemed to click after Christmas. The guys were working hard. They The guys were trying to win games easy at the start of the year. And meaning, you know, looking at the Calder Cup uh, win and all that stuff, and all of a sudden, um, you know, the season starts, and the guys were, you know, thinking we're champions. Like, you know, basically going into a game and just putting your sticks down and skating a bit and trying to win a game. Well, it doesn't work that way. You have to put your work boots on and pay the price. Yeah, well said. Todd Nelson joining us on Inside Sports, coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins in the American Hockey League. They're going to be playing Manitoba in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Todd, is this right? You guys have home ice, but you got to start on the road? Yeah, it's uh, anytime you play a team over 300 miles away from you, you go uh, with a five, well, it's a five-game series to begin with, but you go 2-3 um, or 3-2. It's up to the home team to decide, but... Um, we played well on the road all year, so we don't mind starting in the road. So we're going to play two games in Winnipeg and then come home for three games. And so it's uh, kind of a scary scenario uh, with the five-game format. If we're playing in Chicago or Milwaukee, it'd be 2-2-1. Two, two, but as everybody knows, a five-game uh, series is really scary because you can't really re- recover if you get off to a bad start. So it's really important that our team goes into Winnipeg and plays well. Uh, we've had success there. We won uh, the four games we played there this year, but um, I think that's a bit misleading just because they had um, both Hutchinson and Comrie uh, were hurt or or called up. So both guys are back, and it's going to be a very tough series. It's going to be um, an evenly matched series where it comes down to his special teams. How were your special teams this year? Because we saw what, what what happened to the special teams in Edmonton cost them tons of points over the year over the uh, over the year. How are they for you guys? No, like um, we're we're both in the top five in the league, and um, they helped us win games. And that, you know, that that's where the game's at right now. You have to have good special teams. So if, if you're for me, if you're combined 105, um, that's solid. 20 percent in the power play, 85 in the PK, that's solid. Uh, you know, like last year, I think we were almost like we were closer to 110. And I think that uh, the special teams really, well, it's common sense. The special teams are going to win the game. 80% of the games are won with special teams. And so you have to make sure that um, you dive those in. And uh, I'm very fortunate that 
over over the years I've coached, our special teams have been very good. The first round pick for the Detroit Red Wings of Jenny Svechnikov went 19th overall in 2015. Um, You know, obviously at that point where I'm sure the organization is hoping he's a Red Wing pretty soon. But what can you tell us about this young man and uh, what kind of a role does he play on your team? Well, you know, last year he had a really good rookie season. He uh, had 50 points, 20 goals. This year, uh, it's been really an up and down season for him. he came into camp really energized, and nobody wants it more than um, Shvetsnikov. He wants it so bad, and he's a student of the game. Uh, he cares so much, uh, but his biggest problem is that he he puts too much pressure on himself. And you see it in practice, you see it in games about how he, um, you know, is so hard on himself. And so this year has been up and down. Sophomore season, there's high expectations, at least in his mind. I think in everybody else's mind, of course, you want them to take the next step, but sometimes guys aren't ready. And so, uh, you know, it was a season where he got injured in training camp, and it kind of set him back. He came back, and he had inconsistent play, and then he started getting better and got more consistent. He got called up to Detroit. I think he got some confidence from that. He came back down to us, and he's a big part of our team where, you know, he plays in the power play. He's a guy that can put the puck in the net. He's a big body that can protect the puck down low. I like uh, puck possession in the offensive zone, and um, he's a guy that can really provide that for us. I want to ask you about one other guy here. I, I believe you're getting uh, Dennis Cholosky from the Portland Winterhawks, uh, who they've been eliminated from the WHL playoffs, so you guys can add him. I mean, you've probably been through this before, Todd. What's this like adding a guy to your roster you know, often playing his first pro games at an incredibly important time of the year for you guys. I mean, he could potentially debut here in the playoffs, couldn't he? Yeah, well, he's with us right now. He practiced today. Uh, he was here last year for the first couple uh, rounds. And, he, you know, he's a skilled player. I'm sure people in uh, Western Canada have seen more of him this year than I have because I'm, I'm seeing him for the first time today. But he's, uh, he's in a situation where... Uh, we have nine defensemen um, on our roster right now for playoffs. You need depth, and um, Dennis is a guy that provides depth for us. But also, if, if I see in practice that he's better than what we have, um, you know, he's going to if he knock, if he's able to knock somebody out of the box, then he's going to play. If he's not, he's not going to play, uh, especially early on here. So we'll have to wait and see uh, how things work out. I'll watch him in practice and go from there. Okay. Well, it's going to be fun following you guys. I know Oilers fans were happy to see the success you got last year, Todd. A lot of them uh, still cheer for you personally. Uh, And so go get them here against Manitoba. That sounds like it's going to be a fun series. Thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports, Todd. No worry, Reed. Uh, you guys try to stay warm. Hopefully the warm weather's coming so we can play some golf. For me, not so much, but for you, absolutely. Yeah, no kidding, Todd. Can't wait to get out there. That is Todd Nelson checking in from Grand Rapids, coach of the Griffins in the American Hockey League. They won the title last year, and you you heard him say it. They did not start the season well. It wasn't the whole team back, but thought there was a Calder Cup hangover. Needed to get them going a little bit. And I I asked Todd, I said, "Did did you drop the hammer? Did you stay positive? He said, well... 
depended on the situation, said definitely drop the hammer a little bit if there was a game when the work ethic wasn't there. And uh, he said he want, the, the team wanted the wins to come easy or thought they would come easy early in the season, and that didn't happen. I think that's probably something that afflicted the hockey team in our town as well. It is 647. Craig McTavish, Robin Brownlee going to be in studio talking about Hockey Helps the Homeless after the 7 o'clock news. That'll be fun. We'll update you on the scoreboard. And yes, I'm getting the puns you're texting to 630-630. I'll read a couple when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. 4-0 Penguins over the Flyers after two. Four minutes into the second period in New Jersey, lightning up 2-1 on the Devils. All right, well, we're going to do this, Kellen. Text to 630-630. James texted in a... Principe inspired pun. All right. I don't. And I, I said, I said was, James like what, what prompted you to do that? He said, yeah, you know me well, Reed. That pun was on my mind all day. LOL. So there you go. He decided to share it with people on Inside Sports, which I don't object to, James. But I'm just wondering if you if you ran it by any family, coworkers. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. Maybe you didn't work today. Maybe you spent the day at home playing. You know, the show on your PlayStation. Great baseball game. I mean, you could even have ran it by, you know, your dog, your cat, your goldfish. Well, I wouldn't wouldn't recommend running it by animals. Well, (laughs) at least it's somebody, right? Uh, Grace, the girl listener, says you'll read a couple puns when you come back. Ha ha, you are the pun, my friend. And she spelled read like my name. Well, well, it's getting out of control. I like that. Grace, the girl listener. Is she? I don't think she's our only girl listener. I think we have maybe at least two. Out three, of the 14? Four, maybe. Well, four might be pushing four. it. Four out of 14 is pushing it. Yeah. Okay. What, what should we write? I'm not. Every, look, guys, I'm not reading all of your puns. Okay. We're not. I'll pick two. I'll, I'll pick two other ones. That are that are better. I you know what I I even looked up the definition of a pun. A joke exploiting the different possible meanings of a word, or the fact that there are words that sound alike but have different meanings. So the read one by Grace was a perfect one. Absolutely, because it can mean me as an individual or reading something. I'm not sure if these ones are are, are exact puns or just more wordplay. Uh, this texture says, okay, this is what the show has come to, everybody. <laughs> it's, it's April 18th. We had playoff games a year ago. Today we're doing li- li- listener. We're, we're doing Gene Principe inspired puns. Yeah, what a difference by, a year makes, eh? Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> some point somebody's going to say to me, Reed, looking back, when did you know your career was over? And I'll say, well, probably when we read the puns. Uh, No, I'm just joking. Uh, This texture says, I I sent this one to Gene. Or or, no, here it goes. I sent this one in before. Here it goes. I sent my top ten puns to Gene to see if I could make him laugh. But no pun in ten did. Wow. (laughs) Really? Got the stopper reaction. 
that, by the way, if people don't remember from last week, that was Bob's reaction when I picked Chicago to miss the playoffs back in October. Actually, the full thing is... Wow. Really? Yes. And then I turn out to be right, and I go on Oilers now last week, and he no credit. Unbelievable. All right. This is the last pun I'm reading for this. I don't even know if this is a pun, but it's kind of funny. It's more of a riddle. Did you hear about the man who was thrown in jail for stepping on chickpeas? He was charged with homicide. <laughs> All right. That's, that's, uh, that's good, everybody. Well, we maybe we'll read some in the next hour. You can text 6.30, That was great. Kel- Kellen's beside himself. Or did, you, did somebody just yell at you on the phone? No. Okay, no. good. It, it was actually a very supportive comment. They're, they're loving the show tonight. They're loving the show tonight. <laughs> That's great. That's great we got a supportive comment. Actually, it was a very supportive comment, for, for real. No lying. So, All right. We go. All right. Well, uh, this is fun. We got our. Can you run down and uh, get our guests, Kellen? You can do that in two minutes. Will do. I know we got to go to commercial in two minutes. We're just all over the map tonight. Uh, I do want to get to this. Uh, this was interesting a couple of days ago. I got to interview Ty Ratty, who signed a new one year deal with the Oilers, and he, he said a pretty uh, something pretty interesting about what it was like playing on the line with Connor McDavid. Yeah, I think he, he, he's so good. I think everyone. Uh, outside the game, sees how good he is, but it, it's and then you you watch him and you play with him and watch him practice, and it's just unbelievable. And I think uh, over the first few games, I started to learn that uh, you, you just can't crowd him. You can't uh, when he has the puck, you kind of got to move away because he can beat guys by himself. And and most guys in the league, uh, you, you need to support kind of thing like that. And you're taught to support the guy, but with McDavid, just kind of spread out because he can beat guys, and all of a sudden it's a it's a two on one, three on one somewhere else. That was an interesting observation from Raddy. First of all, I just think that the the explanation he gave, and Peter Shirelli called him a cerebral player, that that he is thinking about the game. He is thinking about what is happening. He's trying to anticipate. He's trying to say to himself, all right, what I did in one situation and worked, or with one line mate and worked, may not work in all situations. And as he pointed out, you know, you hear a lot about puck support, giving a, a teammate an easy pass to make to you. He said with McDavid, he felt it was actually the opposite. You sort of had to get further away from him because he's going to be bursting around the ice with individual skill, creating his own opportunities. So you got to go and spread out a little bit and see if you can get open for him to get you the puck. So that was some interesting stuff there from Ty Ratty. All right, Craig McTavish and Robin Brownlee are standing by. We'll have some fun with them. We'll talk about an important event coming up in Edmonton as well, that big hockey helps the homeless. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.